Stories connect us as humans. A well-told story can motivate and inspire us. Storytelling is the ultimate superpower. Be The Drop is a weekly podcast that investigates how to tell stories that engage. Join me, Amelia Veal, on our shared journey to become better storytellers. In episode 199 of Be The Drop, Niha Awasti, marketer and lead generation expert, discusses the need to avoid a perfectionist mindset. Niha also reveals incredible insights into how combining storytelling, soul and strategy can result in the most compelling social media marketing. Plus, there's the odd bit of poetry thrown in too. This is Niha's version of Be The Drop. Are you starting a podcast? Narrative Marketing delivers a full range of podcast production and training options. Visit narrativemarketing.com.au or hit the link in the show notes for more details. Neha, thank you so much for joining me for our next episode of Be The Drop. Thank you so much for having me, Amelia. I'm really excited to hear more of your story and get to know some of the tips and insights that you can share with us. You've come to Australia and you've created your own business. You are now forging your own way. But as you say, wanting to connect with that heritage, where do you think that has led you in the business that you're building? Oh, in so many ways. I think, first of all, spiritually, it has allowed me to find my own self. It has given me the courage to to just be a trailblazer and not give in to any sort of models that other people have put out for me or to live a life, to create a business, to do this or to do that. Like, you know, even when I was in India, I was always a very rebellious child. Like, you know, growing up, I was such a pain in the ass for my parents, to be honest. <laughs> You know, I knew it early on that it was um, an inner trait of mine, but I think what it has given me just allowed me the thought work that I needed to really find myself and get grounded in who I am. So today, I think I am that kind of a person who like learns from everything and everyone around me, but I'm always coming back to my own inner self to really dictate who I want to be in this world and in the business. So it has helped me tremendously, even in my story, even in finding how I want to run the business, what business I want to create, what kind of people I want to work with. It's always clarifying, but at the same time, it gives me a lot of confidence in not giving in to the set models that have been, you know, put out. Mm. So your business is a marketing focused business and you started working in Instagram and looking at helping people tell their stories on Instagram, but it's evolved from there. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So even before Instagram, how it actually started was I was, you know, trying to find what I wanted to do next. Like I left my corporate job on a whim, to be honest, you know, to do this arts residency in Italy, basically. So I went there for three months, explored, and I did my arts residency. It was a soul searching period for me. And then I did a few things after that. And uh, what I did was I started teaching myself how when I, you know, I got my first iPhone and started teaching myself how to take photos. That was the first time I even thought that I could be interested in this. And then other people started asking me, oh, can you teach me this? 
And that's how I started to notice that they not only wanted to learn the photography, but they didn't have the strategy behind it. And I was always interested in strategy as well as the creative part of that, which is how Instagram started. But then I also realized what I was really helping them was with generating leads and their business and, you know, so much more than that. So now what I'm doing is the lead generation and other aspects of business with the people who I work with. And lead generation is such an important part of building business. You know, for you, what are the key aspects then that helps in lead generation? Yeah, and I think it can be so different for different people as well, because what I find is a lot of people try to follow, again, one set blueprint that someone else might have put out. And when that doesn't work for them, they come back and say, oh, like, you know, I tried this and I gave it all my best, like, you know, and then when that strategy doesn't work for them, they're imposter syndrome rather than going away like it just kicks in even harder because now they're thinking I did have a strategy and that didn't work and I often find that process that process of lead generation has to be really customized has to be really humanized according to who you are as a person and that requires a little bit of understanding of who you are and how you like to connect with other people that's a big part of my work um, as well so you know rather than just this hardcore one strategy fits all I really like to work with people and do it in a soulful way and part of that is combined storytelling soul and strategy all of that together and I think when that melts together not only it's a fun process you stop looking at it as oh my god like you know I have to drag this person from across the table into my business whereas it's just a fun creative connected authentic process where you're just having conversations and putting you know, the right kind of content, but in a very authentic voice, you're telling your stories and whoever is the right person, they get attracted to you. And, you know, you, you have more chance of having that conversation and taking that to the next level. Mm, Well, I like that trifecta of strategy, soul and storytelling. It definitely appeals to me. (laughs) (laughs) So there's certainly, I can definitely resonate with that. Mm -hmm. But for, for you then, how is how do you explain that because potentially using words like soul you know you've got to attach your soul and understand your soul it may not be language that's generally used in business in a business context so how do people react to that a lot of people have this vague idea of yeah well, what is it like you know and that's that's a combination of again your mindset your creativity what you put out in your visual marketing as well as your verbal marketing because you know I might use some words which are fine for me because they define me as a person they that is my voice and I think um, when you don't find your own brand voice it just feels inauthentic people read into it and they get put off by that you don't like continue to do that work um, as well because you know that is often the problem that people think that oh you know I'm not consistent I'm not consistent in how I say things and how much you know um, I put out and that Often that is the problem because they haven't really sat back and really done the work in honing in as to what their story is and how they must put it out and in what voice, what words resonate with them. Because you really, I feel like it's a bit of a soul searching process as well, because if you're not grounded in yourself and who you are as a person, it's just hard to put out things and say things um, that would resonate with your ideal client as well. So I do a lot of work around that, to be 
honest, like before I do any other work, I do like, you know, that foundational work of finding your brand voice, finding your visual marketing components, and then sort of bringing it all together with a strategy um, and mixing it with storytelling. Mm. And you have some practical tips for storytelling as well, don't you? Things that can help your clients, you know, then use that, the foundation, to tell their story. Yeah, so one of the, like, you know, practical frameworks that I use with my clients is ABT framework. So A stands for and, B stands for but, and T stands for therefore. So if you're telling a story, you know, oftentimes people tend to tell a story, oh, I did this and then I went here and then that happened. And, you know, and we all know like that's just a flatline boring story. So just to make it interesting, we need to take it up a notch and we need to bring it down. And this is a simple framework that anyone can use in, and it has been used, you know, for a long time in like rhymes and kids stories and which we can use in our businesses as well from elevator pitch to like you know your instagram posts to your sales posts to anything to be honest and i've got a little example here so little miss muffet sat on a tuffet and eating her curds and whey but along came a spider who sat down beside her and therefore frighten Miss Muffet away. So even in that little kid's rhyme, we can see how and, but, and therefore just gives that wave of interest and curiosity and creates the drama in your story because that's that's really what keeps the brains engaged. And again, that's a big part of my work as well. Under storytelling, I explore and teach and coach people through this kind of work because I think a lot of people, when they start telling stories, they have this idea of just blah, like here is my story and you know like there you go and and then they get confused as to why they're not resonating because they wrote it from heart and you know they put their whole soul in it like why is it not working which is why I feel like strategy and you know strategy comes into play and yeah so this simple framework can actually create interest and drama in your elevator pitch to other marketing um, stories that you have in your business. Mm, Fantastic and it is so important to frame those stories because a story without a beginning or a middle and an end is not going to take you on any journey and it is that journey that stories take us on that really resonates. Absolutely and I think we have to do the hard yards uh, when we are telling the story the responsibility or is on the teller to actually really engage the minds of the audience and you know it's not just about just you know writing 2000 words sometimes the good story can be told in like you know 300 words instead of 2000 words and that's the skill that a lot of uh, people I think uh, can benefit from learning. Mm, And I you know I really quite like haiku poetry random aside but (laughs) you know and because its ability to convey meaning and attract you know you read something and you get wow okay there was in that small amount of words small amount of managed syllables you know that it conveys meaning and actually I think the greatest storytellers are those ones that can tell an impactful story with less words. Absolutely. That's the real challenge. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Like, you know, I just, you know, with everything going on, like I just wrote these few words and they, you know, like they're like six lines, if you don't mind. No, no, of course. So what I wrote was compassion to forgive and capacity to heal, kindness to allow and courage to feel, space for diversity and desire to include, action to change and an end to seclude. 
So I wrote these few lines and um, I got so many messages on that because I was really trying to clarify the values that I wanted to carry forward and a change with everything that's going around us um, in terms of anti-racism work. It was interesting because I was trying to hone on these values and in these few lines I could capture it all and I pasted on my wall and I put it out on Facebook. And since then, I've received so many messages on that, oh, this resonates with them. And I think it's partially because those words capture the values of greater humanity as well. Sorry, I think I went on a bit of different tangent, but like, you know, with the haiku, that's what came to my mind as well. <laughs> no, absolutely. And a good story often has a has a tangent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, absolutely. And it does, it brings me back around to a slightly different aspect, but given that you're working in social media as a space and conversations and, you know, you're referencing what's going on with Black Lives Matters recently and the, the outpouring of conversations, but, you know, also the challenges for people to understand how to communicate, what to say, what not to say, when to say. And I think that's causing a bit of anxiety at the moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that social media can be great and obviously it has helped um, amplify voices, which is fabulous. But my concern is that it's also helped amplify, you know, negative negativity. So it's that management around it. And it's interesting that you're using an example where you just simplified it down to humanity and kindness and that's really resonant I think people are looking for that we're like oh I'm so overwhelmed by the negativity that that is giving them space to breathe you know what are your thoughts on that yeah it's a big complex question sorry um, (laughs) I think I've been like asked this by clients and other people as well like as to how do we actually not feel nervous like you know some people like a lot of people are actually frozen right now you know white and you know yes we need to amplify the black voices right now but like white people who actually want to do something productive and meaningful they're frozen right now And I think, again, I go back to that soul part, like you really have to get grounded in your stance, in your mind first. If you're trying to just use it as a business strategy, it's not going to work. In fact, it could backfire in many ways, because this is what I say, like on social media today, you cannot pretend. And if you pretend to be someone who you're not, it comes through in your language, which is why, you know, what we were discussing before, I do that soul part so that you can be at ease. You don't have to live three lives. You can be who you are and then share from that place, keeping in mind, you know, those few frameworks, those few strategies, which soon become a part of your learning in your mind. Coming back to that, I think you just have to find your stance and get clear on that, whether you're going to do that work or or not, like, you know, and it's a commitment. This is where it starts. It's not like you've put on a social media post and okay, like, you know, we're done. It's a commitment and it's an ongoing work. It's an ongoing thing that you have to keep in forefront of your mind in your life and in your business. Um, And once you understand that, um, the second piece to that would be not getting into perfectionist mindset, because let's just start from a place that, yep, you know, we accept that we are going to make mistakes. It's like, you know, when we raise kids, when we create businesses, we know that inherently, yep, you know, we're not going to be perfect. We are going to make mistakes. There is no one set blueprint that someone has given that, okay, if you do these 10 things, um, you know, you'll be fine. And even 
even if we have those guidelines, they look so different in everybody's life. People are dedicated to different causes, different things in their life, different commitments. So it really doesn't mean that you have to become this new activist who has to attend all the protests and like, you know, put out on social media every day. And that would define you as a good anti-racist person. And in my opinion, that's not the case. Uh, but again, like, you know, it comes back from clarity and accepting that you are going to make mistakes. And it is not about perfectionism, but it is really about that intention and commitment. And it should reflect in your daily life. Like, you know, we get to know someone's values. Like we, we, we get to know as businesses as to what that business values. And yeah, it's, it's like, you know, it should it should just be embedded in the way you actually show up in your business and life. And and that's my approach to it. Mm, uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I like, you know, that it's the intent. I think that's, for me, that's really key. Like, you know, as you say, people will make mistakes, but it's the intent behind the mistake. Was it a malicious mistake? Did they mean to hurt people? Or was it purely just an uninformed, you know, unintentional mistake so then that they can reflect on that and go back to the intent how did it come about yeah and that's the thing because I feel there's so much unconscious bias in me in you in everybody else which is why I believe um now I can't remember the author's name but you know what she says is like we should all start with the acceptance that yes we are all racists in the in our own rights we are all like once you accept that premises you have a way of exploring your own cognitive biases. And I think that is just such a key because a lot of people who get into defensiveness, no, I'm not like, you know, I've always surrounded myself with colored people. I have eaten and tried all kinds of foods and, you know, like, so their idea of racism is very distorted. Curious, curiosity about a culture is very different from racism. So once we accept that premises, we have a chance to explore our own cognitive biases. I'm doing that work myself because I know I am so privileged and I don't have any of the problems that black people have in America right now. So like, you know, the work is to be done by each and every one of us. And it starts with that internal work um, by exploring where, you know, where we have caught those beliefs. Like, you know, we have been swimming in that water. So of course, it will take us time to see where we went wrong and what ideas we actually embedded into our psyche without knowing, um, you know, or being intentional about that. So, yeah, 100%. And we're recently working on a documentary at the moment, which is actually about gender inequality, but it is around those, the bias, the un unconscious bias that we all have in us. And certainly, you know, with this conversation around Black Lives Matter in Australia, the, the ramification that I hope we see more of is that more, more non-Aboriginal Australians can start understanding the unconscious bias that we have towards Aboriginal Australians and our privilege, you know, you mentioned privilege as well. Um, and that's a an area that I have been passionate in for a long time. I lived and worked in Broken Hill with Aboriginal community. And so that's been something that's part of my journey. So um, whilst it's it's an interesting way of it coming to the forefront mm -hmm. because it's been driven through activism in America, if we can create an awareness of the ongoing issues that Aboriginals, Australians face through that, I would be so pleased if then it's not just about protest, but it is about that ongoing action that you mentioned. Yeah. So it would be interesting to see how that all plays out. And I really do hope 
that it creates a, a greater awareness of our bias, of our privilege, and that we do something about that. That's right. And I think um, I'm of the belief that, you know, I always say business is personal. In this day and age, you really can't keep business pristine away from your personal life. Yes, you can have boundaries, you can define how much of your personal life you would share. But when everything is a commodity, like, you know, how do you bring that soul that we were talking about into your business. And that is really what sells as well. So mm. if you see in a full circle, like, you know, it's really, you have to really bring more of you in your business and that there is no way, uh, there is no other way of going about it, basically. So these values um, and how you choose to live your life really has to reflect in your business as well, because that's what people want to see through your stories, through the work that I do. And yes, you know, we talk about like a dry topic like lead generation, but that's really what it is. Like, you know, that's really what it is about that you attract people who really align with your values. And, you know, you get to work with people who you like and you really enjoy it. Um, because imagine working with someone who has a complete different value. Let's here I am passionate about anti-racism work. And if someone comes and doesn't even recognize me as a woman of color, how hard life would be. And that's, and I think it's a subtle thing, but that's where a lot of people go wrong or, you know, sort of have a blind spot around this area. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Nia, for sharing your tips and insights. In conclusion, could you share with me your be the drop tip? So that would be your top tip for communication that motivates and inspires. So again, I think it's a, it's a cliche, but I keep going back to that storytelling, authentic storytelling. I haven't really come across a term uh, that would be unique, but you know, that just captures like, you know, again, finding yourself, your values, your brand voice, and being intentional about putting the stories that matters to your business um, and really reflects who you are as a person. So you can stop living two lives, you know, one as a business person and one as personal. You can always have boundaries. But again, um, yeah, just defining those stories and putting that in your marketing, in your visual marketing, as well as your verbal marketing would be my best tip. Mm, fantastic. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Amelia. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that. This is a Narrative Network podcast.